Hey, lovely freaks, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. And I'm Hannah. And if you're new here, hi, welcome. If you like things strange and unusual and true crime, you can go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button. You can also head down to the description box and you'll see a link that will take you to our link tree and that'll give you access to our social media like Instagram, Twitter, and all that jazz. And all that jazz. Yeah. I like that little reverberation there at the end. I was thinking of things to do. (laughs) (laughs) Thought I'd spice it up a bit. Um, All right. So we're on the Menendez Brothers Part 2. And if you didn't listen to Part 1, I highly suggest that you go listen to it because you're not going to have a clue. I'm not going to talk about the murders. Um, you know, I'm not going to talk about the, the parents' upbringing. So if you want to hear all that, that's in part one. And it's kind of interesting to hear as well. Um, so in the first part, we did kind of talk about, you know, I, I kind of portrayed them as kids that seemed to have gotten mad because their parents were going to cut them off. Right. Mm-hmm. And... In a sense, that's kind of what the trial was about. Um, that's what the the the, persecu- the prosecutor and the state was trying to say, that they were just these spooled rich boys that found out they were going to get cut off from daddy's money, and so they decided to kill their parents. Um, but in this one, we're going to kind of talk about the trial and all the things that came out at trial, because it's a lot. It's a lot. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Um... So we last left off with Eric, uh, Lyle and Eric both got arrested. Lyle got arrested first and Eric got arrested later. I told you that he was out of town or out of the country. He was actually in Israel playing tennis um, when he found out that his brother had been arrested. He was playing like a tennis tournament type match. Mm -hmm. And so they were really good at tennis. I mean, they were going across the country and they were playing different, um, going to other countries and playing different regionals and stuff like that. So that's what he was doing when he found out Lyle got arrested. Um, so he decided he was going to turn himself in and that's what he did. He just, I think his uncle called the police and they were like, Hey, don't arrest him when he comes back. He's going to turn himself in. And he did. He came back. He thought that the police were going to be waiting on him when he landed. I don't remember where he landed, but I think it was New York. He thought they were going to be waiting on him there, and they weren't. And so he just went on to L.A. and finally turned himself in. Um, so Dr. William Vickery, he is Eric's psychologist when he or psychiatrist when he first gets into jail, and he said that when he first met Eric in the L.A. County Jail, he was crying, he was depressed, he was wanting to commit suicide. It was like he was really upset about what he did. And a lot of what we're going to talk about comes from Eric himself. Because I watched a documentary on A&E. And that's where I got a lot of this information from. And um, he was telling the story, basically, himself. Now, Lyle hasn't done that. Um, Not really sure why, but Eric did. So that's why a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about comes from him and the trial. Also, Eric said that the LA County Jail was like no place he had ever been to. You know, this was, first of all, he'd never been to jail, but Mm. this was like scary the first night he was there because this is like where the intense criminals stay. Excuse me. The intense, like, really 
bad criminal sting. He could hear people like getting raped. He could hear sexual assault. He could hear people getting beat. All this different kind of stuff. So, I think Dr. Vickery was kind of like, you know, he was obviously scared because of that. And he was also seemed a little remorseful for what he had did to his parents as well. So, the the Menendez trial was one of the first court TV profile, like, high-profile cases for court TV. Like, you know, where they have all the cameras in there and they show it on TV. It was one of the first ever that they had done. I think they had done some more, but they weren't as high profile as this one. Okay. Um, so that That's was, why it, it's so popular. Yeah, and it got a lot of media attention. And this was right before, well, we'll, we'll, t- we'll kind of talk about OJ, but this was right before OJ Simpson mm-hmm. as well. In LA, before this time, they had some pretty, they had a couple of high profile cases, but most of them they had lost. Um, they had the Rodney King one where the police officers you know, beat Rodney King, and those police officers got off, and so that sparked, like, riots, and this was right before this case, so the state was kind of, uh, not, their reputation of putting people away wasn't very good, let's just say that, so they were kind of looking for redemption, I guess you could say, and they thought, okay, this is a great case, we'll, we'll highlight this case on TV, and this will be one that will be able to for sure win. I mean, these guys confessed to killing their parents. It's like an open and shut situation. So, Pam Bazanich Baz- was the prosecutor. We'll just call her Pam because that's second last name. Yeah. We know this. <laughs> um, was the prosecutor. And the boys had separate lawyers and were tried separately. But every time I would see something on, tr- on the trial, they were in the same... They were in the same courtroom, but they had separate jurors Hmm. on different... It was weird. I didn't understand that. And they had separate lawyers. So, Jill Lansing... Well, I mean, they are two different people. Yeah, but sometimes they try them together. I don't know. It was was weird. Hmm. So, Jill Lansing was Lyle's lawyer, and then Leslie Aberson was representing Eric. Leslie was a dominating female lawyer. She was, like, the bulldog, like... You know the the one that um, everybody said in the in the thing that she was the the pit bull, not the bulldog. She was the pit bull. Mm-hmm. So July twentieth, nineteen ninety three, trial begins. The prosecution was um, trying. They went first, obviously, and they were trying to prove that the boys killed for money. That they were able to go, you know, on all these trips and stuff. They wanted to show that they killed because their dad was going to cut them off. And they wanted to show how much money they had spent, like, before um, they killed their parents and after. After. Because there was some people that came on the stand and they were talking about all the things that these boys would buy. You know, different clothes. They would go shopping and buy all these clothes. Um, This was before the murders. So, it was just trying to show, like, if they would have got cut off, they would have been pretty... They're so spoiled that it would have... You know, been awful or whatever. Devastating, yeah. yeah. Um, But come to find out after Dr. Ozell, you know, that had the confession confession tapes. Mm -hmm. So, he he got up on the stand and Leslie, Eric's lawyer, kind of reamed him because he got up on the stand and they found out that Judith Smith, Judeline Smith, the woman that was listening in, you know, what I said last time, she was listening in and he... 
he told her to listen in. Yeah. Come to find out, that was his girlfriend. He's married with kids. But that was his girlfriend. Oh. She got pissed off because they, he broke up, broke up with her. Mm-hmm. And she went and told the police that she was listening in. Mm. But really, she just got mad. So, a lot of people were upset because they didn't understand why those tapes were admissible in court. Because usually, if you do something with your doctor... It's doctor-patient confidentiality, and you can't have those tapes, anything that they record. Usually tapes are pretty hard to use in court anyways. Honestly, and, um, it's with murder, I think I think that should be a little bit of a, you know. But they okay. confess. But they, con- they confess, so I didn't really see the point in it. I don't know. It was just really weird. So a lot of people were upset about that, that they let those tapes be admissible, and also the fact that... This wasn't some random woman that, you know, was his client. This was a client and a girlfriend that he was having an affair with that he told this confidential information to. Like, yeah. he told her, "That's true. hey, they, they've confessed to killing their parents and I need you to, whether he told her to listen in or not, it still didn't matter. So, Eric said about eight weeks in, they started getting letters he started getting letters from women. From groupies. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and them. that's how he met his wife, Tammy Menendez, who he's still married to today. Oh, my God. Yeah. I can't. So, um, yeah, he, he met his wife through letters. She was writing him, talking about how she felt sorry for him and all this stuff. And then all these different women I was watching, um, they were, like, being interviewed. And they were like, I mean, they're kind of hot. <laughs> and I was oh like, God. oh, my God, I can't. I mean, I'm not standards. saying they weren't good-looking guys, but they're murderers. murderers yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a little bit of a ooh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so August 13th, 1993, the prosecution rests, and at this time, everyone is thinking, okay, this case is going pretty well. We see that, like, you know, nothing crazy is going to happen. I don't know what the defense is going to do, but I mean, there's not really much they can do, and. That's when, um, October, I mean, August 14th, 1993 rolls around. The defense opens up with their opening statement. And then the bombshell gets hit. As soon as Leslie Aberman, Aberson, Eric's lawyer, opens up with her opening statement, she says that Eric had been molested and raped by his father from the age of 6 to 18. Mm-hmm. That was their defense. Like, Eric and Lyle say exactly the same thing and that's why they killed their parents like that they both were sexually molested and raped by their dad so diana hernandez kitty's niece um their cousin she said that she never saw kitty or jose um like kiss or hug or anything like that or be like you know loving towards each other Mm -hmm. she said they would pose in pictures together obviously, but that's all that she could remember. She said she did live with them for a little bit. A couple of cousins had lived with them here and there, and I guess it's because maybe her sister was having trouble, so she moved in with them. But she said that um, she lived with them for about a year, and she said that there was always yelling in the house and threatening, and she just got out of it. Like, she couldn't couldn't stand it anymore. Um, Al Anderson, and Kitty's nephew another cousin he lived with them as well 
And he said that he wished he would have never lived with them because he knew what was going on in the house, but he couldn't do anything about it. Um, Diane said that her bedroom was downstairs when they lived in their house in New Jersey, I believe is where it was. Because, you know, they had like three different houses and we talked about that last time before they moved to Beverly Hills. But she said that she, her bedroom was um, downstairs and she was sleeping and it had like two twin beds down there, but one of them wasn't being slept in. Yeah. And so... Um, Lyle, I believe it was. Let me look at my notes to make sure. Oh, Lyle. Yeah. She said that Lyle came downstairs and he was like, hey, can I sleep in the bed over here? And she was like, sure. You know, whatever. And she was like, why don't you sleep in your bed? And he said, well, my dad comes into my room at night and touches me and I don't really want to sleep in the bed. And this is coming from his cousin. And, um, so she was like okay so she went and told kitty the mom yeah she went and told her what happened well kitty doesn't say anything she grabs lyle by the hand and walks him back up to his room shuts the door and leaves yeah what i bet she She didn't say shit to the niece she didn't say anything i bet she knew and she just did oh we're gonna we're gonna get into that so al the other cousin he said while living with them, he went to Eric and Lyle's room, and he was, like, talking to Lyle, and he noticed, like, something under the bed. It was, like, a container. He was like, hey, man, what's this? You know, and he reached down to grab it, and right when he did, Eric was like, no, don't, I mean, D- Lyle was like, no, don't reach that. And he was like, well, it's too late. I've already got it in my hand. And he noticed in that moment that it was a container, like a Tupperware container, mm-hmm. and it had feces in it, like human feces. And he was like, hey, man, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what yeah. is this? And he was, and Lyle said, when I get nervous, I don't want to tell mom I have to go to the bathroom. So I just go in the container. And yeah. I don't know how old he was at this point, but yeah. he had to, they were like, I believe they were like eight and nine. Mm-hmm. So why would you get nervous to tell your mom you got to go to the bathroom? Like, yeah, that's, that's weird. weird. Psychiatrists that have interviewed them have said there was physical, emotional, sexual abuse in the house. Eric said one day Lyle took him out to the woods when he was really little. He was probably like five or six and would molest him. He would actually stick objects inside of him and Lyle said um, that his dad would do this to him as well and undress him and fondle him. Mm. So we're thinking that and a lot of psychiatrists have said because Lyle has apologized to Eric for doing that when they were really little. He stopped doing it later on when he realized that it was wrong. Yeah. But when he was little, he did it because he's just kind of like modeling the behavior of what he's getting. You know, yeah. he doesn't think anything's wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Because Lyle said, um, and he said this on the stand, that his dad would insert things into him like a toothbrush or whatever he would have on hand. He said that his dad would call it object sessions, and he would admit that, um, you know, he was sorry for what he did to Eric when they were little. Mm -hmm. So, this was all from about the time that he was, like, five, six. So, he was 18? Yes. For Eric, yeah. Lyle, we're not really sure. Um, I couldn't specifically find out if it 
did happen to Lyle all the way up until he was 18 or whatever, but Eric for sure, and he, he talks about that. Um, it took psychiatrists eight months, though, of therapy to get this out of them mm. at all because they didn't, you know, a lot of times with kids that are sexually assaulted, sexually assaulted or, or raped or anything like that, they don't really want to tell anybody. Um, and they didn't want to tell anyone because Eric said it was like, it was a shameful thing, you know, because they didn't realize until they were older that it was even wrong. Um, they were very hesitant to tell anyone. Their father would tell them the things he was doing, like massaging and all this other stuff was to help them be better athletes, is what he said. What a douche. Eric said that it started when he was six um, that's when his father started sexually assaulting him, and all he thought was, my dad must love me, and that's why. Then at age seven, he started forcing him to have oral, and then nine, about nine or ten is when intercourse started mm-hmm. with his dad. So Eric said the first time his dad tried to have intercourse with him, he was actually, like, in pain, physical pain. He said that he was screaming, he, he said that he wanted to scream and cry, but he knew that he would get mad, so he learned how to hold it in. He said his mom and dad were fighting one night, having like a serious fight. He said that his dad was like, they were fighting, she slammed the door, he walks upstairs, swings the door open, and he forces him to have oral sex with him right there. He forces him on his knees, and he's crying, you know, Eric is, he's yeah. probably like seven or eight. And his um, dad just says, he pushes him off of him and he's crying and he's like, why can't you be more like Lyle? Stop crying. You're being so ridiculous or something like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, fuck this asshole. So, (laughs) um, so, and also um, Eric said later on, some of the stuff that I was watching, he said that his dad would always teach them to never show pain. Like, you could never talking about the intercourse thing like you yeah. like if he would have gotten upset or if he would have gotten mad he would have hit him he there was one time where him and Lyle were being forced to like pinch each other to like see who could handle the pain or whatever his dad was making them like pinch each other and like do different types of like techniques on each other like physically harm yeah and there was at one point where Lyle was like told Eric he's like I'm sorry and Eric started crying and then he said I'm not doing this anymore and he told his dad I don't want to do this and his dad like slapped him across the face Mm. so it was all about don't show emotion I guess you can say I don't know it was really weird yeah it's weird so a lot of people don't believe this defense though um because a lot of them say that it's weird how they never brought this up until trial. They never came out, like, when well, they got arrested and said, not. we did this because our dad was molesting us. Why or, would they bring that up They never. Well, that, plus a lot of people are like, they never even said that their parents were abusive at all at the beginning. Like, you know, they until trial. They just didn't want to talk about that. Most yeah. kids don't want to talk about... Especially guys, they're going to think it's embarrassing. Exactly, yeah. It's going to be out there for the whole world to And that's hear. what a lot of psychiatrists, they were like, in these interviews, they were like, well, 
a lot of kids don't say anything about yeah. it. There's a lot of kids, and a lot of people were like, well, their dad was having an affair. He was having multiple affairs and blah, 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 blah. And there was and one of the psychiatrists was like, well, you can still have affairs and be a piece of shit that yeah. molests your kid. Like, that doesn't, doesn't have anything matter. to do with it. And also, this is this <sighs> trial's public. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if I would want to, if I was molested like that. And you were a guy, yeah. yeah. About and you and have the, the whole sense world of listening like, into. And a lot of guys don't talk about that. Yeah, way more than girls do That's because a big thing to be like, oh no, I'm not gonna talk. Yeah, about this. because they're very. They want to hold their ma- that's that's their last bit of masculinity that they have. Yeah. So they don't want to share that with the whole world. I mean, and it took them. And the psychiatrist admitted it took them, like eight months. This wasn't something that they knew. Yeah. Right off the bat. This was like something that they progressively found out as the prosecution was doing their trial and all that. So, yeah, it's not like they just all of a sudden came out with it. I mean, if they, even if, also the cousin saying that is another thing where I'm like, okay, maybe I do believe in this. Oh, well, hold on. So, first of all, the prosecution, she, Pam whatever the fuck her last name is, she's kind of a bitch because she even says, like, I'm kind of skipping ahead, but eventually Eric and Lyle get on the stand and they mm-hmm. kind of tell this whole story. And that's, and well, I'm not skipping ahead. I mean, we've already talked about it pretty much, but, and that's where I got most of this information from. So after that, they're crying. They're both crying. Mm-hmm. It's hard for them to tell. You can, if they're acting like they need an Oscar because yeah. it, it it's just it looks genuine and um she was like well you know she was talking about is this the defense or on no, the, the, okay. the prosecution prosecution she was talking about how anybody you know I love a good acting job or something like that and all this shit and I'm just like oh my god really yeah I'm just like you don't, well, you don't know it. like you really don't know nobody can sit here and go for sure they didn't get molested or they didn't get raped or whatever you have no freaking idea so i i wouldn't say that they did or they didn't uh so the media started calling it after she said that and other people were coming out she she they started calling it the abuse excuse that's what they were calling it um but all the family every single family member that leslie averman which is eric's defense attorney um got up there. She got family, she got cousins, you know, all that. There was 51 family members that attested to the fact that they didn't ever see sexual abuse, but they definitely knew that, that oh my they were being, like, mentally abused. abused in some kind of and way. And they were just, that, that Jose was just a harsh man, that he was never satisfied with the kids. There was coaches that would come up there, one coach in particular that coached them for years, and he said that him and Jose would butt heads all the time because, you know, he wanted to tell him how to coach, you know, and yeah. he didn't know a damn thing about tennis. And, and so, um, he was just really hard on the kids. Like, they would have to get at the the tennis courts at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning. Hmm. They would practice, go to school, and then come back in the afternoon and do more tennis, which is ridiculous. That's, like, way too much. So, yeah. um... Lyle and Eric said that he had a history books like of Greek 
not Greek mythology, like Roman mythology and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they said that he would underline in those books the passages that said that um, the Roman soldiers would have sex with each other or massage each other before going into battle. And he would tell them that that's what he was doing before they went to do their tennis matches. He was helping them become better athletes. That's what what he said. And Eric even admitted, like, he was like, yeah, I mean, I thought, and I I fully understand where he's coming from, because he was like, I thought that this meant that he loved me. Yeah. Because when something's done like that to you at such a young age, for a long period of time, you have a sense of that this person loves you, and you don't realize that it's wrong until someone either tells you it's wrong or you grow up and have a sexual experience and you're like well that's not how I felt so that's not right you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so Al the cousin that we talked about earlier he said that when he first stayed with them um, Jose would tell the boys at like 11 and 12 he'd be like okay boys let's go get in the shower and he would shower with them and Al was like that's weird. I shower yeah. by myself. Like, especially at eleven and twelve. That would be shower. like me and Isaac. And yeah. Be like, yeah, come on, Isaac, let's go take a shower. He'd yeah. Be like, really, uh, really what? freaking no, weird. <laughs> uh, the cousin also said that many times Jose would take them, so they would be like all sitting on the couch, and Jose would take them down the hall to a room, and they were not allowed. The cousins were not allowed to go down there. If they did, if they got up or if they started walking towards the door, Kitty would tell them, do not go down there, sit down. Eric said he would... Obviously, she knew God. Yeah. That pisses me off more. Uh Uh-huh. And also, that's not the only cousin that said that. The other, the girl cousin said Mm -hmm. that, too. On on the stand, both of them said that. That, like, the defense attorney, Leslie, was like, well, if you said, well, I'm going to go in there, what would happen? And they were like, you weren't allowed to. You would get like in trouble and yeah they didn't know they don't i mean they don't really know what she would do i mean she could a lot of the cousins some of the cousins said that she did have a temper at times kind of like a maybe like a bipolar Mm. type of thing because one minute she'd be all happy and the next minute she'd be like rage and like throw dishes and freak out and shit she was also on antidepressants and her psychiatrist even said on the stand that she was suicidal she was an alcoholic, and she was a, took pills. Well, yeah, she did all those things because she probably found yeah, out. She because probably Eric, knew. Eric said that his mom, when they were little, was really nice, and a lot of people said that she was, you know, normal. She was the normal kitty. She was vibrant. She was loving, and all this other stuff. But then, as time got on. As the kids got older, she got more and more depressed and more and more Yeah, it seems like crazy. she knew. And it's probably because she knew. But I don't give a flying fuck. Like, if I don't care I how knew, good the money is. Yeah, I'm going to kill you ass. I'd <laughs> kill a motherfucker. And then I'd leave. I'd be sitting yeah. out on the front steps like, yeah, he's inside. Let me tell you what he's been doing. Yeah, sorry. Like, got yeah. a little mad. Like, yeah, sorry. I don't no. understand I could that. not go on knowing my kids are... No. Mm-mm. No. So, um... Yeah, and then also the cousin, the girl cousin, or no, it was the, it was her, it wasn't it wasn't the cousin, it was um, was it her sister maybe Kitty's sister? I don't remember. 
one of them said that she knew Kitty never wanted kids, Mm -hmm. but she was fine when she had, and that goes back to the thing about being fine when the boys were little, but Eric said that he never really felt like his mother loved him. Even when they, and when they got older, he, she would also tell him, like, I hate you, I can't believe you were ever born, and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was a really toxic environment for these children. Jose would tell the boys, if you ever tell anyone, or if you ever try to run away, I'll kill you. He would also explain to the boys how he would kill them. Cousins who lived with them said that Lyle and Eric never ever had friends come over. They never were able to have friends come over. Um, and also there was a, another cousin that they, they only ever had cousins come over. There was another cousin, I can't remember his name right now, but on the stand, he said that one day, they were older, they were in their teens, and Eric had asked, does your dad give you massages? And he was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And he was like, well, you know. And he was like, well, where does your dad, he said, no. He was like, well, where does your dad give you massages? And Eric was like, well, my dad massages my, my dick. He told him oh, that. Yeah. And he was like, no, man, that's not that's not, not no. something we do. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it was in that moment that Eric realized, oh, shit, like, this isn't normal, you know. Yeah. Um, Eric said on the stand that his main, the main reason they decided to kill them that night was because he finally told Lyle about the sexual abuse. So let me pause. Even when they were taking showers together and things like that, he never sexually abused them together in the same room. Mm -hmm. So, neither one of them knew about the other one getting sexually abused. Mm -hmm. They didn't talk about it. Lyle, Eric said that him and Lyle didn't, you know, ever really, they weren't close. I mean, they were brothers, but they weren't like you and me. Like, they didn't tell each other everything. Mm -hmm. So, they didn't, um talk about it and he finally went to Lyle that night because what had happened was he wanted to go to college I think a a couple couple days before he had told his dad you know I want to go to college and he was really excited because he was like okay I'm going to get the hell out of here I'm going to go live in a dorm it's going to be great and I think at this point that he had stopped messing with Lyle because Lyle was way older and um so Eric was like okay I'm 18 perfect time you know and his dad told him you're not going to college away from me like you're gonna you're not staying in dorms yeah you're just gonna have to commute so he was pissed he was upset and he went and told lyle what oh my goodness i can see why they i feel like he was gonna cut him off if he didn't stay with him yeah, because Lyle had already grown up and they did it. Remember last episode I said he tried to get a girlfriend, he yeah. tried to get married, and mm. his dad wouldn't really let him. Wow. And made him come I live in California. That. And so he's probably older now that the dad's not gonna do that with him. Yeah. And yeah, now he doesn't want Eric to leave. And so that was when he said that he told Lyle and um. All he said was, in, in court, she said, did you tell your brother, why did you tell your brother? And he said, because I wanted it to stop. And that's how they solved that issue, with making it stop, mm. by killing them. 
So after um, five months of trial, they enter their closing arguments and the jury um, deliberates for almost a whole month. It takes them a whole month of deliberation. I could, yeah, I could understand. I don't know what I'd do. I would never, like, I I could never be a jury on a high-profile case. Especially, like, this case. I don't know what I would do. Well, the jury comes back, and it is a mistrial. It's a hung jury. They can't make up their minds. Mm -hmm. Both of them get a hung jury. So that means that they're going to have to do this again. They're going to have to do a second trial, and they're going to have to do this all over again. Mm -hmm. So now we've come to trial number two. The state was really pissed because they wanted, like, an open and shut case. And then they are like, oh, shit, this is an open and shut case. They wanted them in jail, and they wanted it over. The O.J. Simpson case was before this, and actually... (laughs) Weirdly enough, um, OJ knew them, kind of. Like, he had done some business with his dad. Mm-hmm. So, when he went to pr- or when he went to jail, to the to the county jail in L.A., um, he saw Eric. And Eric was like, what's up, OJ? And he was like, hey. You know, and they Whoa. were talking. <laughs> and uh, then, weird. you know, OJ gets off and all this other stuff. So, October 11th, 1995, they start the second trial. What's really crazy during this trial is that there's no cameras allowed this time, only still photography. The judge... (laughs) The judge would not allow any of the sexual assault or the sexual abuse to be talked about in the second trial. Are you literally serious? I'm literally serious. Oh my god. So the defense is sitting there like... We don't have a case? We don't have a case. Because I don't know that's, like, the, that's only the reason, reason why they did this. They did this. Mm-hmm. He did say that he would let Eric talk about it and some of the psychologists but he wouldn't allow all the 51 members of the family to come in and, and talk about it. If they did come in, they couldn't oh talk god. about the sexual abuse. Like the cousin, she said I wasn't allowed... To say anything about the time that Eric that's, told me that his dad touched him down fair. there, she said I wasn't allowed to say any of that. Yeah. And yeah, if I was a, if I was a lawyer, I don't know how she did it because I'd have lost my fucking shit. I would have been like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Like, this what? isn't a case. They're yeah. gonna think that they're just like, oh, just and saying Eric, things." So last time, the family got to say their uh, things that happened, and then Eric and Lyle got to go, which makes it more compelling because. You have family members telling you what's happened, and then you have them reiterating what has happened. This time, the judge wanted Eric to go first, and which that's basically like me, you know, breaking this laptop and then being like, no, I didn't break the laptop. Like, yeah. who's going to believe me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if I have other people corroborating, being like, yeah, yeah she there. didn't do that, then you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, um, another thing that Leslie, she kind of fucked up when she did this, his defense attorney. So, she went to Dr. Ozell or whatever, the psychiatrist, I mean, not Dr. Ozell, Dr. Vick, what's his name? Vickery. Mm-hmm. The psychiatrist that has been with Eric this whole time. She went to him and she was like, okay, let's go over your notes. They were going over their notes. Same notes from last trial. She saw where it said, I couldn't take it anymore, is what Eric said. Mm -hmm. And she saw where it said in the notes, I wanted to kill myself. She told him to take that out of his notes. 
She was like, take that out of your notes because they're going to think it was premeditated. And the psychiatrist was like, no, they're, they're not. They're going to yeah. think that he didn't couldn't take it anymore. He couldn't take the abuse anymore. That's what that means. Yeah. She was like, no, no, you got to take that out. Well, first of all, it's against... It, it's not... I mean, it can be against the law. I'm surprised she didn't get disbarred for this, but... It's unethical to take anything out of notes that was in a previous trial mm-hmm. or, or you know, tamper with notes or tamper with... It's called evidence, tampering with evidence yeah. at all. So, the doctor was like, I was in a dilemma because she told me if I didn't do what I was told, I was off the case. And then I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going to leave these guys hanging. I know all this stuff about Eric and I'm not going to be able to tell my testimony and I need to because I need to help him. Yeah. So, he decided he was going to take it out. So, he took it out. Well, they get to trial. (laughs) And her secretary, Leslie's secretary, knew that there was notes somewhere, but she couldn't find the new notes or whatever had happened. So, she sent over some notes to the prosecution. So, they get into trial and he's cross-examining him. And and Leslie gets pissed off because she's like, wait, 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 wait. You know, that's not what the notes say and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, well, that is what the notes say. I'm looking at them right here. And then he looks over at her notes and he's like, well, your notes aren't like mine. And then, boom, it comes out that (laughs) she had the notes that were tampered with and he had the notes from the original trial. Yeah, she fucked up doing that. And she fucked it up, which made her look like this whole case had, yeah, had been manipulated, which really just kind of sucks for you know eric and lyle but whatever the case is i still think it's shitty that in the second trial they didn't let them talk about it um so march 22nd 1996 the jury deliberates for the second time this is the second jury and they come back with they either have to come back with a life uh life sentence and you know the the what he sentenced for mm-hmm. and or death the death penalty because that was another thing that the second trial the state had told um in the second trial they wanted to go for the death penalty this time yeah life or death so april 17th the jury returns with a verdict and that's when lyle and eric were both sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole mm-hmm. they did try to appeal obviously it didn't work family cousins they all said that they were devastated from the verdict because they couldn't believe that this happened you know uh lyle has been married twice since he's been in prison uh and eric just once and they're they weren't allowed to go to the same prison with each other either so so did the family want them to have a lesser sentence Yes, so the family, a lot of the cousins and all this, there were some family members, like I think Kitty's brother, she was, he didn't believe in the whole, you know, child sexual abuse and all that, but his son was one of the cousins, Al, that cousin Mm -hmm. we were talking about, that was his son, and he said on the interview, he was like, my dad was, you know, I was pissed off at my dad, because I was like, why do you not believe this? Like, I don't understand how you can't believe this. I'm literally telling you what's happened. And yeah. he was like, well, how come you didn't tell me when you were little? He was like, because I didn't want, because I was too scared, because I knew you'd act like this right here. Yeah. And also, probably because, <laughs> so, yeah, too scared. Yeah, kids, kids aren't gonna, there's a lot of kids that if you tell them something, they're not gonna, you know, they'd be too freaked out to go tell anybody. Yeah. Which is sad, but it's true. Um, So, yeah. Man. That is the case. Of I did not know about the that. Menendez brothers. So, what do you guys think? Personally, 
I'm never going to say that someone is not being, has not been sexual abused or anything like yeah. that. I just can't. I mean, I don't know. I have no, I have no clue. Does that excuse murder? Absolutely not. You can't just, you can't yeah. just murder somebody because you were sexually abused. It's the same thing with, uh, that case of, um, oh gosh. What's her name? The girl yes. that was, um, the girl that her mom told her she was sick her whole life. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can't even remember her name. Uh, Mary? No. No. I can, Anyways, I can you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but her mom yeah. told her she was sick her whole life, and then she found out she wasn't really sick, and she ended up killing her mother. Well, her boyfriend killed her mother. But she's in prison for life. I mean, you can't... I mean, it's a tough case for... I mean, like, I don't know. Honestly, if I was a, a part of the jury, I would just... I just couldn't... I mean, I feel very sorry for them. I'll say that. Yeah, I do. If Extremely. that's true and everything that happened with them when they were little, like, they I can that. definitely see why they did it. I can yeah. definitely see why they snapped. I wish they wouldn't have done that and just Well, on. Eric even said, um, he told someone one time, I think it was a psychiatrist, he said, I wish that I would have just, oh no, he told his lawyer, that's what it was. He said, I wish that I would have just um, killed them and then killed myself. Or mm. just killed myself. Mm. He was like, I wish I'd have just killed myself because it would be better than where I'm at right now, you know. And, um, so, I don't know. But, yeah. I just, and I also feel like their hands were kind of, I mean, I don't want to excuse murder. But if you really no. look at it, their hands were kind of tied because I feel like their dad probably was like, yeah, you're going to have to stay. And if you don't, I'm cutting you off. And maybe they, maybe he said they were gonna, he was gonna murder them. Yeah, that one, and that's one of the things they said that they were scared of. Yeah. You know, when they were little. And but they I don't were know so scared said that. that they were gonna have to deal with their dad and molesting him for the that rest of the their thing. lives. That was the thing. Like, I didn't understand why Lyle didn't just move the fuck out. He was like twenty something, or he was, he was yeah. twenty. So yeah. why didn't he just be like, okay, well, fuck you. And usually I won't cases, take the money. Why I don't give a shit about that? the money. Yeah. I'll go. <laughs> usually cases where they murder in that that sense, they never think, just leave. Like, they have to murder them. I don't know if it's because they're, they don't want to be scared their entire lives, looking around their shoulder to be like, oh, you know, that person's there. Yeah. I can understand I see what that. what you're saying. You know? Like, they would have to yeah, be scared most cases, for the rest of their life. If they've been abused or they've been, you know, something like that, they just don't leave. They end up, they kill them. And, yeah. then, they, and then they have to deal with it. But this. then you have to think about the anger behind what had happened to them, too. Yeah. Just being angry that this person did that and took that away. You gotta think about that, too. And did it to their sibling. Yeah. Because so we, they didn't know that at, yeah. until that night. They had no idea. That's what they said. They said until that very night when they killed them, they had absolutely no idea that either That's one of them... them no, yeah. like had been molested or raped or anything like that. So I could never say, you know, that didn't happen. And I couldn't say, yeah, you should die and stay in life in prison for that, you know? Oh, yeah, no. I don't know how the jury did it. Yeah. But, um, you know, but they always, and that's what their lawyer even said, we always knew that they were going to get some sort of punishment for it. Yeah. But we just didn't think it was going to be life without the possibility of parole. Like, at least, I think they should have at least been able to get parole if they wanted to. Because a lot of their family members were like, if they were out today, they wouldn't hurt anybody. They wouldn't hurt yeah. a soul. 
you know, that wasn't the, that wasn't the goal. They're not murderers. That wasn't they were wanting to kill their parents because their parents were pieces of shit, obviously. And the fucking prosecutor, this other guy who was in there or something like that, he was like, "Oh well, I thought it was really shitty of them to talk ill about the dead." Like, well, fuck the dead if they're acting yeah, like that. If exactly. If that's true and all that's true, I don't give a shit. How dead they are, they're probably in hell, to be honest, yeah. if they're doing that to their we kids. We still talk bad about Hitler, but, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, he's a fucking asshole, what can I say? Pretty sure, yeah. So, I don't know, it was just weird of him to say that. But, um, yeah, so, I don't know. I don't know what I believe, but it I doesn't really matter. Because, because, like, when this first case started, I was like, oh, it's just these boys who aren't going to get their money. <laughs> oh, boo-hoo. Yeah. And now that the case came up, I'm like, damn. Yeah. Okay. That's what I said. In part one, you're going to feel like, okay, they just wanted money. and But now you're like, oh, shit, maybe they didn't just want money. Yeah. It's weird. So, um, now they did get some money after their parents died. And we talked about that in episode one. They got $2 million each? Uh, just for both of them, I think, or something like that. Yeah. I'm not sure. But, yeah. So, anyways, that is the case of the Menendez Brothers. Let us know what you think down below. Um, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're listening to us on YouTube. And hit the notification. We're almost made it to 100. I think we're at 86 now. Or 87. I can't remember. So, we're not that far away. I want to make it to 100 before the Yay. end of the year. That's our goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, on our Spotify and Apple and all that, we're way past 100. But, I don't, I don't really know. Um, what we are on those, but I want to get our YouTube channel going a little bit more. Um, We also have a Twitter now, and you can follow us over there, and all that will be in the link tree below. So, I hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. I know we already said that last time. Thanksgiving's way over. It's a week over. (laughs) If y'all are listening to this now. But, um, we had, I had way too much food on Thanksgiving. (laughs) I had to go to two Thanksgivings, so... I was stuffed for a while. Alright, well, um, starting to think if there's anything else. I don't think there is. Mm-mm. No. So we will see you guys next time. Maybe we'll try to do like a spooky one or something. Um, I have an idea. I think uh, we might do the exorcism of, Ooh. well, it's not the exorcism. The exorcism of Emily Rose, you know that the exorcism that's based off of? I can't think of her name right now. Oh, oh man. What? I'm sucking at names thinking, thinking about names. I don't know, but we're gonna we might do that one. Okay. Um so anyways, alright, well we'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.